You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On today's Locked On Kings podcast, we're taking a bit of a field trip to Atlanta, Georgia. Yes, the East Coast, the other side of the country, home of the Atlanta Hawks, the former team of one Alex Len, who is now, of course, a Sacramento King. However, his contract is up at the end of this season. We might already be at the end of the season. We just don't know uh, with this NBA hiatus happening right now. However, I'm going to be joined by Chris Kirshner, an athletic writer who covers the Atlanta Hawks. He wrote the article that we talked a lot about on yesterday's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast, an exit interview with Alex Len, where Len had some great things to say at Atlanta, about Atlanta, but also had some fantastic things to say about Sacramento and the state of the Kings. Chris joins me for an in-depth interview on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Locked On Kings, your hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season, all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of the Sacramento Kings from January through December, including continued daily in-depth coverage during this NBA season suspension and this coronavirus situation here in the United States and all over the world, we have got you covered right here on Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports radio host for over the last five years. This is my sixth season covering the Kings as a multimedia journalist and reporter and also, of course, an on-air host. And I don't know about you, but I was scrolling through my phone today. And of course, I have a bunch of pictures on my phone of the Golden One Center of of just Sacramento Kings games and things like that. And I posted a picture not too long ago uh, to Twitter of uh, the Kings game a couple weeks ago during introductions during this playoff race. Uh, And I, I... my caption for it was a playoff atmosphere because that's what we felt like we were going to be in store for uh, for the next couple of months or the final couple of months of the regular season. That's been taken away from us. And I don't know about you, but these last few weeks of no NBA basketball have been longer for me and harder for me to get through than the NBA offseason, which lasts months upon months. Maybe you're feeling the same way, but the best thing that we can do To get through this time is to continue to talk about the game that we love, continue to talk about the team that we love, uh, and come together as a community uh, to wait it out together. So I appreciate all of you that have chosen to come here to the Locked On Kings podcast to be a part of this show daily, even though no basketball uh, is going on. And if you have a friend, family member, someone in your life that is missing sports, missing basketball, missing the Kings as much as you and I are, let them know about Locked on Kings. Let them know that they can still come here for Kings coverage, Kings conversation, and great stuff like what you are going to get today. My interview with Chris Kirshner uh, from The Athletic. He wrote an article on Alex Len. We talked about it in depth yesterday, so you can go back and listen to yesterday's podcast if you want, but we're going to revisit a lot of the things we talked about yesterday today with Chris, who's going to provide some more context. We're also going to talk about just some Atlanta Hawks topics, including do the Hawks regret trading away Luka Doncic on draft day in order to get Trey Young and a draft pick that eventually turned into Cam Reddish? He's going to provide uh, some information on that, and he's going to answer the question for us, would it be in Sacramento's best interest 
to re-sign Alex Len this summer and how much can he help them actually become a playoff team uh, in future seasons. All of that coming in this interview, so get ready for that. Before we jump into it, though, I have to tell you about our fantastic sponsor here of today's Locked on Kings podcast. That's Blinkist. Let me tell you about one of the ultimate life hacks and one of the most useful apps on my phone. It's hard to find time for me to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have free time, you can't read or work on personal development. This incredible app solves this problem, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is really unique, and it works on your phone, on your tablet, or on your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down to just 15 minutes so you can read or listen to it and get all the information in that thick book that you've been missing. Successful people like business leaders are well-known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you, like me, who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute, on your lunch break, or while you exercise. I am a a poker enthusiast. I enjoy playing poker. I'm not the best by any means, but it is a hobby of mine. And of course, I'm always trying to get better. Now, there are massive poker books that have uh, a bunch of information uh, and they're intense intimidating just to look at, let alone read all the way through. I used Blinkist to help me get through two different poker books in 30 minutes and immediately my game improved. Blinkist, it saves you so much time. It gets you the important information right away. I highly recommend it. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now and it has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from the bestsellers lists as well as those classic nonfiction titles that you always meant to read but but you just never had time to. With Blinkist, you can get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for the Locked on Kings audience. Go to Blinkist.com NBA, try it free for seven days, and save 25% on your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com NBA, to start your seven-day free trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com NBA. Alex Len hasn't been in Sacramento for that long, but he's quickly become a favorite of many fans here in Sacramento and a favorite of mine, someone that I would like to see remain uh, in a Sacramento Kings jersey beyond this season. And unfortunately, with this uh, NBA season hiatus going on right now, it hopefully will not halt the momentum that he and the Kings were building in this playoff push. A excellent article in The Athletic was written by Chris Kirshner called Exit Interview and Honest Alex Len speaks on his time with the Hawks. And this article drew my attention not just because of the information and, and words of Len on his time with Atlanta but also the great things that he had to say about his short time so far uh, with Sacramento. And Chris is nice enough here to join us on the Locked on Kings podcast. Chris, welcome in. It's a pleasure to talk to you excellent article first off how are you handling uh this nba hiatus i hope you're managing it better than i am yeah i mean i'm doing fine so far i mean it can get old after you know several days inside but you know i'm, I'm trying to, to hold up as best as i can been watching a lot of netflix hanging out with my dog 
Um, it sucks that sports aren't going on, but you know they're, they're obviously more important things. You do fantastic work with The Athletic, and, and this article actually got me going down a rabbit hole of just reading a lot of your work. I think it's very important for anybody, even if you're a fan or cover one specific team, to read uh, the, the work of people who cover other teams so you can get a better understanding of what's going on. And the first thing about this article that jumped out to me was actually right at the beginning of the article. It was the fact that Alex Len didn't want to leave Atlanta, and it's not that he didn't want to go to Sacramento. It's just he, he really liked what they were building there. Can you speak a little bit upon uh, what Alex Len was to that organization, even though they traded him away? Yeah, when when he was originally signed by Atlanta, uh, not, not this past offseason, but the offseason before, they were kind of looking at him as uh, a, a backup option, someone who they felt like maybe didn't show as much as he possibly could in Phoenix. He spent, he spent five years in Phoenix when, you know, he was, he was a top five pick for the Suns and he just didn't work out for, for Phoenix for whatever reason. Um, from talking with Alex last year, definitely seemed like the, the player development culture there was kind of a mess. And he felt like, and he explicitly told me this last season that he felt like if he had started his career, like some somewhere in Atlanta, where player development is obviously critical, he probably would have had a better start to his career. So they, Travis Schlank, the Hawks general manager, felt like, you know, he was a, he was a guy who they could take a flyer on and possibly, um, you know, turn him around in their play, player development culture, and that's what happened. I mean, last year he became a three-point shooter for the first time in, in his career. His three-point num- numbers were down this season, but you know, last season post All-Star break, he was hitting 41% of his threes, and he was shooting four four attempts per game. So it wasn't like he was just attempting one or uh, under one per game. He was actually hitting them at a, at a really high clip. You know, this season he took a really big step forward defensively. He he was going into the season the Hawks' projected starter. He he did start the first nine games. He was really bad in those first nine games, so they decided to move him back to the bench where he was more comfortable last season. And he was actually good. You know, I, I know he's uh, a popular target for Hawks fans to point at for a lot of mistakes. And, you know, Len doesn't have the best hands in the NBA. Um, you know, I, I would, that's even being generous. Uh, his hands are, are really, you know, poor. But, you know, for the most part, Len was actually pretty su- successful for the Hawks coming off the bench. I didn't think that, um, you know, for what, for what the Hawks wanted, they wanted someone who was more outspoken in the locker room, which is what uh, Dwayne Dedman is. Mm. Even with Dedman, you know, not being um, all that useful for the Kings this season, um, you know, the Hawks locker room this this season just was really quiet. They needed, you know, a, a jolt of energy. Len, you know, I, in my opinion, I think Len was having a better season than Dedman, even with Len's three point numbers being down. Yeah. Um, but they just wanted someone who could, you know, be more vocal with the younger guys, just a, a new sense of, I guess, hope or energy that the Hawks really lacked this season. But for the most part, I thought Len was, was fine for the Hawks. I, I thought he was um, someone who, if I was Travis Schlank, I would have probably tried to resign him this, this off season just because of the job that he did in these, in these two seasons in Atlanta. I'm going to get back to Dwayne Dedman in a second, but when the Clint Capella trade happened, you mentioned that in the article as as 
Mm-hmm. Obviously, that showed up on Alex Len's radar. He's aware of the situation. He was aware mm-hmm. of the logjam of big. So Clint Capella comes in, and uh, you and he had an interaction in the locker room where you shared that you felt that he had decent trade value. So mm-hmm. it seemed like he expected a move was coming, correct? Yeah. Um, what he didn't expect was he'd be traded for another center. Yeah. So when the Cap- Capella was brought in, um, you know, they had four centers on the roster. Capella was injured, and it wasn't really clear when he was actually going to be able to play, if at all. So with Capella coming in, that meant Capella, Len, Damian Jones, and Bruno Fernando were on the roster, four centers. I mean, obviously, you can put two, two, two and two together usually. Teams aren't going to keep four centers. Um you know, when I was talking with him that night in Minnesota, the night he actually got traded prior to the game, you know, he had a feeling that something was going to happen because, uh, I mean, if you watch the games or if you're playing in the games, I mean, it's clear that out of the guys who are currently on the roster outside of Capella, um, you know, he had the most trade value out of the centers. Damian Jones was, was just not good at all for the Hawks. Bruno Fernando's a rookie. Um, he signed a three-year deal, and he's you know he's going to have some sort of some sort of leash for the Hawks as far as growth goes. So they weren't they likely weren't going to trade him, and even if even if they did, he didn't have much value just because you know as a rookie he didn't really show much. So if they were going to get rid of a center, it was going to be Len, and he understood that. Um, what he didn't understand, what he didn't know was that again he was going to be traded for a center, and that's what really caught him off guard because he felt like, you know, from talking with him that he, you know, was just better this season than Deadman and it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense to me because, yeah. you know, I, I understand that the the Hawks needed someone who was more outspoken than Len. He's he's a pretty quiet guy in the locker room. Um, I'm not saying like the guys didn't like him. He's just quiet. He's not going to be the guy to like, you know, keep young guys in check like Deadman is. And, you know, if we're just talking about stats and wins and losses, I, I think Land, you know, at least this season had more value on the court than Deadman. But that's just my opinion. I'm not the general manager. No, I think I would for the most part, agree with that opinion. I know many of us in Sacramento were surprised when that trade dropped that we were expecting it was going to be a win if the Kings could dump Dwayne Dedman, take on dead money, even if the players were terrible and never got a chance to play, it would have been a win for mm-hmm. Sacramento just to get that money off the books. To get not only Jabari Parker, who many of us thought was going to be the key piece in that trade, but to get Alex Len, who has become uh, that key piece in that trade mm-hmm. uh, for Sacramento. It, it, it surprised, I think, all of us, so it doesn't surprise me at all that, that Len was kind of taken aback. And you you have a quote here from Len in this story, and sometimes it's hard to, to figure out what the tone is when you're just putting words down on paper, so I wanted to get clarification from you. Uh, he said mm-hmm. they didn't want to pay him, meaning Dwayne Dedman, uh, in the first pay a place so it didn't make sense to me if they wanted him they could have just paid him so they get him as a backup now and, and end up paying him anyway is there a sense of like bitterness or frustration there uh, towards or for Len towards the organization for trading him for another center or is that mm-hmm. just my reading into it yeah there, there was no sort of like um bitterness or um I guess jealousy on that part. He uh, he pretty much said it matter of factly um, when he was speaking with me on the phone. Um, 
I think for his standpoint, and again, for, for a lot of us, me included, it just didn't make much sense for the Hawks to now go back to Deadman when they had him last season and they could have, they had no interest in giving him the three-year contract that he ultimately got from Sacramento. Yeah. They had no interest in, in paying him $13 million per season. If they were going to bring Deadman back, it would have been on a very short-term contract, one year, $15 million, like a balloon type of deal where they could keep their future flexibility. And, you know, when when we look at the Hawks and, and where they are, the the amount of money they're paying him next season, $13.3 million, and, uh, you know, he has that third year where it's only $1 million guaranteed. It's not that big of a deal when we're talking about just the cap space they have. He's probably not worth that price, but for, for again, where the Hawks are, it doesn't really matter because they do have $49 million in cap space this upcoming summer. And then, Chris, I got to be honest with you. The main reason why I enjoyed your article was because of the things that Alex Len said about Sacramento. And, and I'll read them uh, really quickly. I'm going to jump between two quotes here. He said, going to Sac, I didn't know what to expect once I got there. It was a pleasant surprise. I liked the team. We were winning games, and I could just do my part. My role uh, is more defined over there. Later, he says, uh, in Sacramento, it's all about team and winning. Guys don't care about how many points they score. It's all about winning. Everybody was playing a lot harder. We were playing all five guys on a string. It makes your job easier because everybody else uh, is a lot better. I got to be honest with you, Chris. It's been a long time since we've heard a veteran, someone being traded to Sacramento to say that uh, about this uh, this organization right. with how long it's been since there has been winning uh, in this organization. When he said that, did it surprise you a little bit? And was there anything else that he said about Sacramento that didn't make it to the, the, final, uh, the final story? Yeah, when he said that, I was like, huh? Because, you know, you don't equate winning with Sacramento right. just because um, you know, Sacramento has kind of been a disaster over you know, several years now. And that's putting it um, I think, yeah, I, I think they're definitely, you know, turning the corner. I, I definitely think they have uh, good young pieces in place now. But yeah, I mean, I, I definitely was surprised to hear that. But it makes sense because of where Atlanta was. Like, obviously, they're not making the playoffs. Whenever the playoffs do come back. Um, even if the regular season resumed, they have 15 games left. They're not making the playoffs. They only have 20 wins. But, um, you know, as far as what uh, other things he said about Sacramento, that was it. I didn't really ask. I was just asking mainly about his time in Atlanta. But, um, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me with, with his comments of what he said. And because um, a couple of weeks ago I, I had met with John Collins, who's, you know, one of Atlanta's young stars. And he said something similar that it's, it's hard going out there every single night. He's now in year three. He hasn't, he hasn't been on a team that's won 30 games yet. And he was saying like, it's hard to go out there every single night, knowing you're, you're probably going to lose, knowing you're the underdog, knowing you still have to play at, you know, a playoff level effort every single night because you have to prove yourself in value to the front office, to your teammates, to the coaches, to media, to fans. It gets tiring when you're losing all these games. So for Alex, you know, I I actually didn't know this going into it. He he was the one who brought it up, but you know, he's the active leader in games played right now without being in the playoffs. It's 461 games that Alex has played in his wow. career and he hasn't been in the playoffs once. Wow. So, you know, for him, you know, going from a team like Atlanta to Sacramento, I mean, Sacramento's not in the playoffs right now, but they're fighting for the eighth seed in the West. 
I mean, it it just it's just different vibes. It's just it's a different energy when you're going from a team that doesn't have anything to play for and you're going to a team who's actually fighting for the playoffs. It's just it's a, a different energy that a lot of players, you know, especially for him who's been in this situation for his entire career now. I mean, it's it's nice like having something to play for as opposed to what he's um, gone through in Phoenix and Atlanta. Let me ask you an Atlanta Hawks question here because I'm I'm actually a fan of what they are trying to do, but I'm not familiar with what the roadmap or, more importantly, what the timeline is there. Trey Young, obviously the star to build around. I like John Collins. I understand some of the pieces that they've brought in. I thought uh, the trade that they were able to make uh, in order to uh, to get Luka Doncic, no, I'm sorry, trade away Luka Doncic to get Trey Young, and ultimately that landed them Cam Reddish, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, I like what they're doing, but I don't know what the timeline is there in Atlanta. Are they looking at competing as early as next year? Is this a two, three-year plan? From your understanding, what is Atlanta's game plan for becoming competitive? Yeah, well, uh, Hawks head coach Boyd Pierce said um, about three-ish weeks ago now, um, he, he said bluntly, like, I'm not afraid to say it. This is a playoff team next year. And, you know, when you say something like that and you have 20 wins, I mean, people are going to be look at you a little sideways, yeah. but you know, I, I I do think that they could be in the playoffs next year because, uh, you know, they have forty nine million dollars in cap space right now. Um, you know, they're in contention for the number one pick. Uh, they have a twelve and a half percent chance. They have the fourth worst record. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that they, they can make the playoffs, especially in the East, where it's just a weaker conference at the bottom. Um, Orlando and Brooklyn are under 500 right now comfortably and they're in the playoffs so I do think they they can make it I don't think they're going to be you know contending in the east to come out of it next season I I think that's probably three-ish years away before that's probably likely because you know they have to make sure the young guys that they have right now are, are the right pieces they have to make they have to figure out if these guys aren't the right pieces, who can we trade them for? Can we trade them at the right time where their value is the highest? There's a lot of things that go into it, but I, I really do believe that, you know, just because they they have kept their future flexibility because of the cap space, like if they sign, the problem with Atlanta these past two seasons is that they just haven't signed competent veterans to, to, you know, pair with the young core that they've drafted. You know, this season they went into it with Chandler Parsons, Evan Turner, Alan Crabb, Damian Jones. Um, they've had DeAndre Bembry for this is his fourth season now. Like those guys just had zero value or close to zero value on the court. So you're going to lose a lot of games because and I, I failed to mention Vince Carter. Mm. I love Vince Carter, but he has you know zero on-court value. Yeah. So you you have to rely on these guys to help you win games, and then you have to you know add all that up, and you're playing with a guy guys who are first-year players, second-year players, third-year players who are still learning the league, and that's going to lead to a lot of losses. So I think I I do think that the Hawks are you know moving in the right direction. It's probably going to take some time. But again, I do think that next year they, they could be in the playoffs if they just sign competent veterans in free agency. As you can imagine, Chris, the 
the Luka Doncic regret not taking him with the second overall pick in Sacramento is something that's almost palpable. You can taste it uh, when you come here and when you have a conversation mm-hmm. with most Kings fans. But the Atlanta Hawks technically drafted Luka and then traded him away. Now, I love Trey Young, what he's brought. Uh, so uh, from my standpoint, I'm thinking Atlanta's probably not regretting that move too much, but you can give us a better idea. Do Do, do the Hawks regret not keeping Luka Doncic? No, not at all. Um, it's much different than the Kings. Um, I can't remember what month it was, but um, you know, a couple of the guys from the Athletic did a in-depth piece on the regret the Kings have. It's yep. not like that at all with uh, with the Hawks. They they feel like Trey's uh, you know going to be a star in the league. Cam Reddish, you know, he started off horribly um, back in October and November, December definitely turned a corner when the new year started he's he grew month over month um you know i i do think that he has the potential to be a, a two-way star in this league it's probably going to take some time but i i really do think he has that potential just from watching him and, and seeing the glimpses uh night overnight right. so i i really don't think that there's going there is any sort of regret with the trade um i think they would do it again if they had the opportunity honestly good i'm glad i was feeling the same way with that organization overall final thing that i'll end with and you can help me kind of settle a, a debate here that i've been having uh on the locked on kings podcast and really on khdk in sacramento like i said in the intro i'm a big fan of alex len and what he's brought it's been a long time really since demarcus cousins that we've had a big body that just rebounds sets hard screens and knows his role and sticks to that role on a consistent basis of course things are up in the air in sacramento uh with harry giles but based off of your understanding of what the Kings are trying to do in your mind, would it be in the Kings best interest, depending upon the money, but would it be in the Kings best interest to re-sign Alex Len, lock him up for at least another couple of years? And and could he be the difference maker in this team actually finally making a playoff breakthrough? Yeah. I mean, I I think from, for, from watching him the past two seasons, I mean, it's clear in my mind that no matter where Len plays, I think he's a rotational piece um, whether it's the, a rebuilding team or a team that's looking to get over the hump like the Kings are, or whether it's, you know, the Warriors who are, you know, next season likely going to be back in the, in the championship mix. So I really do think he can make a difference for, for any team. I mean, if I was the Kings, the, the problem with it, though, is that, you know, he's only played nine games for Sacramento, and, and sometimes it's it's difficult to – get a, a sense of what he actually can be for sure. um, you know, a team just because the, the sample size is so tiny. But I think for the, the Kings and, and what they're trying to do, you know, Len, Len's a really good locker room presence. Um, you're never going to question his effort level and, at any single time. So I think for, for the Kings, again, if the money is right, I, I personally would resign him. I'm not saying like he should be getting you know, 10 plus million a year. That's not going to happen. But if it's around, you know, that four to six range per per year, I I personally would not look at that sideways if, if the Kings decided to do that. I think that would actually be smart for them. Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. I appreciate you willing to take the time here to appear on the podcast. Would love to uh, do it again. Hopefully when there's actually basketball going on. But yeah. Keep up the fantastic work. Thank you for writing this article, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
do yourself a favor, go and check out Chris Kirshner's work, not just on articles that have a little bit to do with the Sacramento Kings. Check out all of the work that he does covering the NBA, covering the Atlanta Hawks. He's a fantastic writer, even better guy. It was a real privilege to have him here on the Locked on Kings podcast today, and I look forward to having him back on future podcasts and having him on uh, Sacramento Sports Radio anytime we have any Kings, Atlanta Hawks crossover conversation uh, to have. Chris is fantastic. His work is great. Another reason for you to get that athletic subscription, which I highly recommend. Even though it costs a little bit, it's not that bad, either $10 a month or $60 for the entire year. It's worth the money. I'm telling you, you get fantastic stuff uh, just like this article and more from Chris Kirshner. So big thank you to him uh, for spending the time. Of course, you can find him on social media as well. He's on Twitter, simple, at Chris Kirshner. That's K-I-R-S-C-H-N-E-R. Uh, find him there. And hey, let him know you listen to him on the Locked on Kings podcast today. And you appreciate him spending the time here uh, and sharing his thoughts on Sacramento, uh, on Atlanta, and going into more detail about that Alex Len story. Even though... We're on a bit of a pause in the uh, in the sports world. Guys like Chris are still very, very busy, expected to keep the content flowing. Uh, so to get him for 20 minutes here on the podcast today, I do not take that for granted. Neither should you. If you have anything that you want to respond to, anything that we talked about on today's podcast, please do. You can find me on Twitter, at MattGeorgeKHTK. You can email me at any time as well, mgeorge at saclocalmedia.com. That is also for uh, our good place for you to send in your request to be on a future episode of a fans only podcast here on locked on kings remember fans only is where i invite a fan or two onto the locked on kings podcast and i hear their stories how they became a kings fan and you get an opportunity to share your takes and your thoughts on the sacramento kings be a guest of a future locked on kings podcast by reaching out to me on uh email mgeorge at saclocalmedia.com Share a little bit about yourself. Tell me your name, how you became a Kings fan, why and what you want to talk about on the Locked on Kings podcast. And hopefully we can work out a time for you to actually join the podcast. We'll record it and we'll release uh, more fans only podcasts here over the next few weeks. So I have spots available for that. Please do that. Also, if you could take the time to leave a review of this podcast, that would help us out a ton. Uh, Best place to do that is on uh, iTunes or on uh, Apple Podcasts. 48% of those who listen to this podcast listen through Apple Podcasts or iTunes, but only about 10 to 15% of you have actually left comments and left reviews. So please do that uh, if you have the time. It's a great place uh, for us to see what we can improve on, what we're doing well, uh, of course, and it helps us get the podcast out to more fans and more eyes uh, around the sports world who might want to hear more about these Sacramento Kings. I hope you are staying healthy. I hope you are staying safe. Come back for tomorrow's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. It's going to be a good one. Until next time, my name is Matt George. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.